race together. I want to talk to you from this thought today, breaking barriers and building bridges. Breaking barriers and building bridges. With the release of my first book, some of you are aware, released uh, my first book with Zondervan called But God Changes Everything. And uh, because of that, my travel schedule has been a little busier this year than uh, I normally would like uh, to have to be on a plane traveling and speaking, sharing the But God message around the nation at conferences and churches and events. And whenever I travel and fly, I do not like to talk to anybody. I want to work. I have a laptop, so I get on the plane. I like to have an aisle seat, and whoever wants to get in next to me, you know, I, I greet hello, and I just look right back down. I don't want to talk. Amen. I just want to work. I want to work. I'm not here to talk. I'm here to work. And, you know, somebody uh, from time to time will, will be a little persistent and want to engage in a conversation with me, and I, I, they've been talking to somebody else, you know, and been cussing and talking crazy and stuff, and they, then they want to talk to me, you know, hey, you know, and the first thing somebody wants to know is, what do you do for a living? And I, I don't like telling people I'm a preacher. You know what I mean? They've been carrying on and cussing and, yeah, I'm, yeah you know, and, they, and what do you do for a living? Because right when I tell them, walls go up. <laughs> Oh, and then they start talking different. Oh, I go to church sometimes. You know what I mean? They start talking different and acting different. Walls go up. They think you're just going to judge me and beat me over my head. And they got prejudices against preachers. And sometimes people have been hurt by church. And so they just start framing me up. And, and if they will give me an opportunity to talk with them, if they will get, give me an opportunity for them to engage in conversation with me long enough, They'll find out that I'm a normal person. I'm not trying to beat them on top of the head. And walls will begin to come down. Barriers will begin to be broken if we can just get into conversation. And racism builds barriers between people. Racism, prejudice, and hate keeps people away from each other. It keeps people from dialoguing. It keeps people from conversating. And so what happens is people stay away and walls just grow taller and taller. And at People's Church, we're not about building barriers. We're not about trying to keep people away. We are about trying to get people together. At People's Church, we believe that the heart of God is, for, is to break down barriers and to build bridges. That is the heart of our Heavenly Father. And Jesus models this for us. You see, as we have explored throughout this series already, that the problems of racism are not new problems. Racism, prejudice, and hate were major problems in Jesus' day. And one of the things that made Jesus so attractive in his day was his ability to shatter the us-against-them mentality. He shattered that kind of mindset, and Jesus broke down barriers, and he built bridges, and he teaches us how to do the same thing. And what I want to do today is I want to share with you three biblical principles to break barriers and to build bridges. Number one is this. The, the first principle I want to share with you is, is we must start building bridges. We must start building bridges. I'm, I'm going to share with you from a story today out of John chapter 4. I'm going to be, pick up reading in verse number one. For, for time's sake, I don't have time to, to read the entire story to you. It's 
20-something odd verses in the entire story, and, but I'm going to talk about the story. But here's my, your assignment. Would you go home and read this entire story of Jesus ministering to this Samaritan woman today or sometime this week? John chapter 4. Read that chapter this week. We must start building bridges. The scripture says in verse 1, the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Verse 4, now he had to go through Samaria. And that can seem rather insignificant, but yet it was huge that Jesus had to go through Samarias. You see, the Jews and, and the Samaritans had such animosity towards one another that, that many of the Jewish people refused to walk through the city of Samaria. And the direct route from Judea, Judea to, to, to Galilee was through Samaria, and it was about 70 miles. It was about a two-and-a-half-day walk to get from Gal Judea to Samaria. But because of racism, because of hatred, Many of the Jewish people would not go through Samaria. They would take twice as long, and they would walk twice the distance through the hot desert road to, through Jerusalem to Jericho to avoid the city of Samaria, to avoid the Samaritans. You see, one of the major racial issues in the Bible was between Jews and the Samaritans. I briefly talked to you about this last week. And 700 years before this story is when this tension began, began to build. See, 700 years earlier, what transpired is the nation of Israel got into captivity, into bondage, into slavery to the nation of Babylon. And they went into exile, the Bible calls it, into exile in Babylon. And so many of the Jewish people went into exile, and, and yet there, were, there was a remnant. There was a, a small group of people of the Israelites who were left in Judea, Judea and, and Jerusalem. They, they did not get captured in, in, in Babylon. And this small group of people who, who left behind, were left behind, they began to intermarry with the Gentiles, with the pagan nations. And as they began to intermarry, they began to grow up. And they began to worship pagan gods because they had a pagan mama or pagan dad that were, that were not serving Yahweh, that was not serving Jehovah. And so they began to kind of have a form, of a mix of different pagan religions and also the Jewish religion. And they were mixing them together and began to worship false idols. And so this, you have this mixed race of half-Jew, half-Gentile, serving pagan gods in Judea and Jerusalem. And then after 70 years, Israel began to go back into Judea and, 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 and Jerusalem. And when the Israelites showed back up, they, they saw this, the, the, these half-Gentile, half-Jew that were worshiping pagan gods, and they began to drive them out. We don't want you here. And they, they, they went up north to an area called Samaria. And that's where you get the name Samaritans. Is they went up to north to, to Samaria, and the Samaritans did not like the Jews. The Jews did not like the Samaritans. You kicked us out. We don't like one another. And there was tension, and there was animosity. But Jesus cut right through the racism. Jesus showed up and cut right through the prejudice and said, I must go through Samaria. You see, Jesus was focused on building bridges that had been burned years ago between the Samaritans and the Jews. And friends, if we're going to break barriers, we have to go through Samaria. 
We have to go a different route than we normally would go for the sake of building a bridge. My parents raised me in Wewoka. Wewoka, I preach about it so much, it's become famous all around the world. Amen. Little Wewoka. And raised me in Wewoka. But, but I was actually born in California. Both of my parents are from Oklahoma, but I was born in California. That's what's, yeah, LA's in the house. How, how are you guys doing today? I was born in, born in California, and my parents moved back to Oklahoma. When they got back to uh, Wewoka, my parents, they, they, they rented for a little while. And when they decided to buy a home, there, a lot of the black people in Wewoka lived on the, the northwest side of, of, the, of the city. And for whatever reason, my parents couldn't find a house there, and they, moved, they went south, and they moved, uh, bought a house on the southwest side. And so I grew up with a very vast demographic of people around me. And I can remember growing up playing, and it was just built, my parents, I don't even know that they were being intentional, but bridges, the bridges began to be built because I was growing up, and some of our closest friends were the Bruners. They lived around the corner from us, and they were an Indian family. And I can remember playing with them and had an older brother, had a sister, had a brother that was about my age. And I can remember playing with the Bruners. One, one of my closest friends in elementary school, I remember his name was Jimmy Bland. He passed away several years ago. And, and Jimmy was half white and half Indian, one of, my, one of my closest friends growing up. And I can remember had black friends and playing with them. I remember having white friends. And I remember Drew invited me over to his house, Drew Nichols. And he would invite me over as a white guy. And, and man, we would go over and play capture the flag. And I just grew up with a diverse setting of people and, and bridges were being, I, we must go through Samaria and bridges were being built. When my senior year of college, I met a young lady named Tiffany. She was a freshman. I was a senior. I was 21. She was 19. She chased me down until I finally gave in. That's the story. <laughs> you don't need to know anything else about the story. That is the story. And I, I gave in and we began to date. And it was, it was Christmas season Christmas had just passed. Uh, I spent Christmas with, with my dad, and I was flying to Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota. My wife and her family lived in Menominee, Wisconsin, uh, pretty close to the Minnesota state line. And her parents are pastors. Still today, they were a pastor of a church, senior pastor of a church there in Wisconsin in Menominee. And her mom and Tiffany picked me up at, from the airport, and it was New Year's Eve. And I was going to meet the family and see everybody, and we pulled into Menominee, and you could just look through the town, and we went out to eat in several places, and, and there was two black people in the whole town, and I was one of them, you know what I'm saying? Just what, there was no black people in the town. And, and so here I am, New Year's Eve, going to spend some time with Tiffany's family, get to know them, they're going to get to know me, and they're having a New Year's Eve party, my first night at the house. So the church folk are all coming over, and they got a surprise. Hello, how you doing? I'm Herbert, good to meet you. And I'm talking that first night and I got prejudices I didn't even know. I'm dodging landmines, we're asking questions. I mean, it's good, we're getting to know each other, but, but bridges were being built that day. 
My wife, I remember when Tiffany and I were dating, we were engaged, and I took her to Ewoka, and I told you this story before, but it was part of the building bridges, and I took her to Ewoka the very first time to meet my dad. He's going to meet my fiance, see Ewoka, little Chicago, and check out Ewoka, and, and hang out, and, and meet everybody, and I brought her up to Ewoka the very first time to my, my dad's house. My dad's excited to see as he welcomes us and get out the car. He's, oh, it's so good to have you here, and my dad cooked up a fine meal, and he raised opened the grill to show Tiffany what we were going to eat, and it was a coon on the grill. A raccoon, and it had his head still on. Oh, and that's how we roll it. We woke at the Cooper house. <laughs> Welcome to my culture, girl. Welcome to my culture. Yes. Building bridges. That was Tiffany. She didn't eat the coon, but she was building bridges. Amen. <laughs> Somebody say, what does coon taste like chicken? Everything tastes like chicken. Coon, squirrel, quail, just chicken. It's good. Amen. Building bridges. We must go through Samaria. Building bridges. Building bridges. Building bridges. Number two is this. How do you build bridges? How do you build bridges? How do you break barriers and build bridges? Number two is this. We must cross bridges. We must cross bridges. Notice what Jesus did in John 4 and verse number 5. It says, so he he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon, the sixth hour, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew. Notice this, you are a Jew. And I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Can I tell you, friends, that day Jesus crossed several bridges to minister to this Samaritan lady. First of all, we've already established that Jews do not associate with Samaritans, and yet Jesus crossed that bridge. During this time period, Jewish men did not speak to women in public. They wouldn't even speak to a Jewish woman in public, let alone a Samaritan woman that they don't even like, that they hate. And Jesus crosses that bridge and speaks to a Samaritan woman in public. Third of all, this lady was an outcast in society. This woman had been living a wild life. If you, when you read that story, your assignment this week, when you read that, you'll find out Jesus asked the woman, Bring your, call your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, you're right. You've had five. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. And, and this lady is an outcast. Here's what the scripture says. It says she was going to draw water from the well at noon. And nobody went to draw water in the heat of the day at noontime. You would go early in the morning to draw water. You would go late in the evening to draw water. You wouldn't go at noontime to draw water. But this lady was avoiding people. She didn't want to interact with people. She was an outcast even amongst the Samaritan people. And friends, if there was anyone that Jesus should not have been associating with, it would have been this woman. But friends, Jesus crosses all of those bridges. He crossed those bridges so that he could talk and minister to the Samaritan woman. And if you and I are going to be a part of the solution rather than per, 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 perpetrating and, and, and just and helping the problem of racism, hate, and prejudice continue to move forward in our society, if we're going to help the problem, you and I must be willing to build bridges and also to cross bridges. Cross bridges. 
And some of you are thinking, how do I cross the bridge? That's a real question for some people. How do I cross the bridge? And Jesus shows us how to cross the bridge. I want to give you four steps to crossing the bridge. Four steps to crossing the bridge. Number one is this. First, go to Samaria. Go to Samaria. If you're going to cross the bridge, you must be willing to go to Samaria. In other words, what I'm saying to you is you must be willing to build friendships with people that are different from you, a different culture than you, or a different skin color than you. Question for you. This is not for your neighbor. This is for you. Think about this. Do you have friends who are from a different culture than you, different skin color than you? I'm not talking about associates or co-workers or acquaintances or people you go to school with, but do you actually have friends? And to cross bridges, you must go to Samaria. You got to go to Samaria. You got to build some friendships. Number two is this. How do you cross the bridge? How do you cross the bridge? Number two is this. Initiate a conversation. Initiate a conversation. Notice in John 4 and verse 7, it says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Jesus began a conversation. You have to begin, begin a conversation, and this can be difficult. I mean, here Jesus is at this well. He's a, he's a Jew, and a Samaritan woman shows up. He's in Samaria. Jews don't associate with Samaria. Samaritans, they don't even go through the city. And this woman is looking at Jesus crazy. Can you imagine? What you doing here? Why are you here? And yet Jesus didn't get intimidated. He didn't allow the crazy look to stop him from engaging in conversation. And Jesus simply asked this lady for water. He just began with something they had in common. Water. How many know that we all have that in common? Water. Come on now. Come on. Water. Maybe not. Maybe not coon, but water. Water. And he just began the conversation. Very neutral. with something they both had in common. So you have to just initiate the conversation. You can't be scared and intimidated to initiate the conversation. You could begin by asking about their kids or asking about their marriage or asking about their hobby or asking about their work or asking about their homework or their school or their favorite sports team or perhaps asking about their upbringing. You just you have to begin, begin the conversation. And, and sometimes you begin the conversation and from time to time you'll meet a bad apple. But don't let a bad apple, don't let a negative attitude discourage you from crossing bridges. Initiate a conversation. Begin to invest in a friendship with someone who is different from you, a different skin color, a different culture than you. Initiate a conversation. Number three is this. What's the third step to crossing the bridge? Number three is be yourself. Be yourself. In verse 9, the lady tells Jesus, hey, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. You shouldn't be talking with me. And I want you to notice when you read that story, Jesus doesn't say, no, 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 lady, you got it wrong, lady. I'm really a Samaritan. No. No, Jesus, I'm, yeah, you're right, I'm, I'm a Jew. He didn't try to fit into the, the, into the Samaritan culture. He was just himself. I think one of the worst things that we can do when we're trying to cross bridges and build bridges and cross the bridge is when we get in another culture that we feel like that we have to try to act like that culture. Now, don't do that. Just be you. Do you. You're weird when you try to be somebody you're not. Stop it. Stop that. Stop it. Just be yourself. Be authentic. Be genuine. And Jesus was just himself. Just, he's a Jewish man, just himself. And, and you know what else Jesus does in regards to being himself? He was vulnerable. Be transparent about your needs. 
When you're engaging in conversation, be transparent about your hurts and, and your life. You know what Jesus does? He was vulnerable. He says, hey, can I get some water? I'm thirsty. I know I'm a Jew and you're a Samaritan. I know I'm a man and you're a woman. I know that, that we normally look down on you, but I want to level the playing field. I'm going to be vulnerable because vulnerability breaks down walls. So I just like something to drink. I'm, I'm thirsty just like everybody else. And vulnerability helps walls to fall down. Number four is this. How do you cross the bridge? Genuinely care about people. Genuinely care about people. And one of the best ways that you can show people that you care is by listening to them. Jesus listened to this woman. He listened to her story. He listened to her being prejudiced. He, he listened to her concern. She was even skeptical. And he listened to her. He cared about what she had to say. He responded to her questions. Listen. Well, one of the things that I have learned, I want to just sow this into your life. This will help you in every relationship that you have, at home, work, no matter what relationship it is, and, or if it's crossing bridges. Here's this. Here's a principle. Is this. Seek to understand first and then to be understood so many times in relationship building we people seek to be understood and you know that you do that when somebody is talking you're not even listening to them you're actually thinking about what you're going to say next you know you're not building bridges and you're seeking to be understood instead of to understand when all you do is you're defensive and, I, 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 let me tell you I don't, you don't understand you don't know what i'm going no 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 seek to understand first and then to be understood. And Jesus cared genuinely and deeply for this lady. You know what else you can do to genuinely care about people? Is be a giver and not just a taker. In every relationship, there are givers and there are takers. Be a giver. Be a giver. Matter of fact, as you read this story, Jesus doesn't even drink the woman's water. You know what Jesus does? He offers her living water. He says, hey, lady, hey, lady, hey, lady. Hey, I have some water that if you drink it, You'll never thirst again. The lady was like, hey, now give me some of that water. Where's that well at? I'd like to get some of that water. You see, Jesus was a giver. You see how you cross bridges is don't be a taker. Be a giver. Invest in the relationship. See how you can bless the other person. And you know how you cross bridges? You got to care. You got to care enough to actually cross the bridge. Care enough to cross the bridge. This past week, we received a, a letter from a lady in our church. And I was just so blessed when I read this letter. Now, I want to share some of it with you. It just, just, it's about this whole thing of caring enough to cross bridges. And Taniqua Ward, thank you, Taniqua, for, for sending this to the office this week. And here's what she said. She said, I just wanted to leave a comment about the series Race Together. I really enjoyed the message yesterday. Two years ago, I met a lady, Miss Glenda, who showed me the true meaning of love. Don't miss this. This is a powerful story. She says, I am an African-American, and Miss Glenda is Caucasian. She was 79 at the time I met her and had recently had a heart attack. I was doing an internship in Stillwater in spring 2013 during my senior year of undergrad while I was attending the University of Central Oklahoma. I decided to do my internship in cardiac rehab since my grandmother had passed away two years ago from a heart attack, and it was something I was passionate about. 
I commuted daily from my parents' house in Guthrie to Stillwater for a whole semester. Miss Glenda was a patient in cardiac rehab while I was interning, and we connected and became friends. I love that. We connected and became friends. One day, she asked me what I was doing for the weekend. I told her I was going to be visiting Stillwater to look at apartments with my mother since I was going to move to Stillwater for graduate school in the fall. She said, how nice. Why don't you come by my house? I agreed and got her address. That weekend, I went to her house, and she told my mother and me what, what, she has, what, what she has done as part of her ministry. She said, I could live with her rent-free as long as I was in school. I could live upstairs, and she would provide me all my meals. She said that was her way of giving and serving God as well as honoring her daughter that was killed while in college. She, was housed, she has housed over 20 girls over the years, and she does the same exact thing for all of them. I lived with her for two years and completed my master's degree and currently work in Stillwater. I still go visit her every Monday. I was the first African-American girl to ever live in her house, and she was the first Caucasian woman I ever lived with. Color was never a factor. She taught me lessons in life no one else could possibly teach me, and she taught me the true meaning of love. I never would have imagined a woman would open her home for me and allow me to live rent-free. It wasn't about rent-free living. It was about what I learned living with her and the experience she gave me. She is my biggest blessing, and over the past two and a half years, we have grown to love and cherish one another. I consider her family. Here's a picture of Taniqua and Miss Glenda. Come on, somebody. Building bridges, crossing bridges, building bridges, crossing bridges. Thank you, Miss Glenda. We honor you, Miss Glenda, in Stillwater for your heart to build bridges and cross bridges. Because I'm going to tell you, none of y'all can live in my house. Amen. Y'all crazy. Amen. I don't know you like that. No, you can't stay upstairs. Thank God for Miss Glenda. Come on. Thank God for Miss Glenda. Building bridges, walls coming down. Number three, number three, number three. We must break barriers through forgiveness. We must break barriers through forgiveness. See, Jesus built the bridge by going to Samaria. He crossed over the bridge by talking with this Samaritan woman. And then, this is awesome. Then we see the barrier between the Samaritans and the Jews began to be broke down. I want you to notice this in John chapter 4 and verse 39. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. This Jesus sat there, had a conversation with this lady, knew that she had five husbands and the one she was with was not her husband, offered her living water, ministered to her, let her know he was the Messiah. And verse 40 says, so when the Samaritans came to him, this is huge. It says they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. Hold on, don't miss that. Jesus is a Jew, and he's staying in a Samaritan's home. Can I tell you, friends, that tore down a lot of barriers that day in that society. Samaritans were like, what? You got a Jew in your house? And you know the religious leaders of the day didn't like Jesus already. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, oh, they were go it was wheels off. It was crazy. Jesus is staying in a Samaritan's house. What is wrong with Jesus? We don't even fool with those Samaritans. Verse 41 says this. 
And because of his words, many, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Now, here's what I want you to grasp here. The Samaritans accepted Christ. This meant they had to choose to forgive the horrible past they had with the Jews. They accepted a Jewish man as their Savior. They had to look past the fact he was a Jewish man, and there's hostility and tension and racism and prejudice and hate between the Jews and the Gentiles. But that day, because Jesus, he bridged the gap, he built the bridge, he crossed the bridge, there were Samaritans that forgave and accepted Jesus as their Savior. And all this took place because Jesus had to go through Samaria. He built the bridge. All this took place because Jesus had a conversation. He had a conversation with a Samaritan woman, and he crossed the bridge. Then forgiveness took place, and barriers came tumbling down. And God is all about racial barriers tumbling down. God is all about reconciliation. He has called us to the ministry of reconciliation. Here's what the Scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 18. It says, all this is from God who reconciled to himself through Christ and gave us, come on, everybody, at all of our locations, everybody say us. Yes, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're born again, listen, God gave all of us Christians the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he committed to us the message of reconciliation. God has called us as Christians to have the ministry of reconciliation. God has not called us to have the ministry of division. He has not called us to have the ministry of hatred. He has not called us to have the ministry of segregation. He has not called had to have us called the, 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 the ministry of, of, of having barriers and walls. God has called us to have the ministry of reconciliation, of tearing down barriers and building bridges and reconciling people to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, having forgiveness and building building the bridge, crossing the bridges, and seeing more changed lives. Forgiveness is key to reconciliation. It was a sad day on June 17th, 2015. Sad day for churches all around the world. A white gentleman named Dylan Roof walked into a historic black church. And that day at a Bible study that night, he opened fire and murdered nine precious people, ages 26 to 87. Here's a picture of the victims that were murdered in June. He gunned them down at a church at a Bible study. And I want you to listen to the statements given by two family members of the victims at the shooter's bond hearing. I want you to hear what the family says to this man. Nadine Collier, she was the daughter of victim Ethel Lance, and here's a picture of, of Nadine. And here's what she says, I just want everybody to know, to you, I forgive you. You took something very precious away from me. I will never talk to her ever again. I will never be able to hold her again, but I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people, but God forgives you, 
and I forgive you. I want you to hear what Reverend Anthony Thompson said. He was husband of victim Myra Thompson. And here's a picture of, of Reverend Anthony Thompson. And here's what he said to Dylan. He said, you know I forgive you and my family forgives you. But we would like you to take this opportunity to repent. Repent, confess, give your life to the one who matters the most, Christ, so that he can change it. You can change your ways no matter what happened to you, and you'll be okay. Wow. Wow. Forgiveness is key to reconciliation. There's a family in our church, Sherman and Susan York, and their story of forgiveness and reconciliation is so powerful. And I want you to hear what God has done in their life and in their family. Check out this amazing story. I actually wasn't allowed to go anywhere. Even in our bicycles, I could only ride it in the front yard because of the kind of uh, people that was there, prejudiced people. Yeah, it was segregated. It, uh, Anyway, it didn't make you feel real good. It make you feel like you was a wolf dog. You're angry and everything, but then uh, you have to keep that peace. Uh, what would Jesus do? 1967, uh, they integrated. A lot of the students' parents wrote notes to the teacher to say that they didn't want their student to sit by him. I almost cried to go back home because there were so many people, and they looked so mean. They, they looked like they just wanted to grab us and throw us out. They didn't want us at all. I could just see their hate in their hearts. When I became a senior and everything was calmed down, you can kind of talk to white people. At that school during the study hall, everyone will check out the ladies coming up the steps. Here come this uh, skinny little blonde up the steps. He noticed me first and then he wrote me a note and said, would you call me? When I got home, I called on the phone, and I said, what, you don't like me? You, you uh, prejudiced? I said, no. And he said, you want to go with me? And I said, I don't know. Kept calling, kept calling, and she finally accepted me. We kind of took off from there. Her uh, parents, of course, hated it and I hated her sneaking out. And one time I was like 30 minutes late and uh, my mom was out looking for me. And when she came in, she walked up to me and she said, you was with that inn and she slapped me. But before that, I kept saying, man, it's this guy that keeps bugging me. I don't even know him. I didn't know if he was her brother. He was kind of prejudiced and everything. And you know, he's one that called me the inn lover and stuff. And one day we was going up the steps. He bumped into Sherman. And enough was enough. And I turned around and hit him. And it was basically, I got most of it out of family. It was hard. And then my brother, he became a Christian, and it, it was like overnight. He changed. He just was a, was a changed man. He said, you know, Hey, I know where you're coming from. You guys in love, there's nothing wrong with it. Me being a Christian, I found out 
I don't have to hate. When he became a Christian, it was like like the sheet was raised off of his eyes. He'd go to prayer meetings, and I wanted what he had. It made me want to be a Christian. It made me want to seek God. You just have to forgive people. I forgave her brother, and we became friends. I learned that don't let obstacles get in your way like hatred, racism. Love is going to get you through all of this. Charity and hope and love. He said the most of these things is love. What a story. What a story. <laughs> Hatred, racism, prejudice. You know what made all the difference? Jesus. Her brother surrendered to Christ. Jesus changed his hearts. And the brother surrenders and they see the difference in the brother. And they end up coming to Christ. Friends, I want to remind you that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Our goal as a church is not to build walls. It's to break down walls. It's to break barriers. And it's to build bridges to be a part of the solution and not the problem. And as Sherman says, these three, three remain, faith, hope and love and the greatest of these is love.